0: Good to see you tonight, cold night, praise the Lord for a warm place to meet in, so thankful for it, that's for sure. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to uh, Philippians tonight, we want to look at chapter 2 and verses 25 through 30, and I've titled the message, The Example of Epaphroditus, and there's some great uh, great lessons in here tonight, hopefully we can glean a few things here to help us in our walk, and uh, let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. Lord, again, we thank you for the privilege to assemble and to study the Word. I pray it would be a profitable time, and you would use it in our lives. Pray for the Awana ministry ongoing, as well as youth group. Uh, Bless the ministry of the Word there as well. Keep everybody safe during the game time, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, we thank you for all the workers, and uh, pray for those that are uh, still wrestling with sickness of one kind or another. A lot of of sickness around right now. We just pray for a speedy recovery uh, for each of those uh, battling that. Again, we commit our study time to you now. pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we are in Philippians, and the theme is uh, joy, or rejoice in the Lord. We have the salutation opening prayer, and then rejoicing in Christ our life, rejoicing in Christ our example. And by extension, we have some other examples uh, also in uh, chapter 2. Uh, We have the example of Paul, who says he is being poured out as a drink offering on their service. Um, You know, they were seen as partners in the ministry from day one, but his life is now coming to an end, and it's like uh, it's a service to the Lord. It's a sacrifice to the Lord. He's being poured out as a drink offering on top of their major offering, is kind of how he puts it. Well, then we also saw the example of Timothy, who uh, Paul says, no one sincerely cares for you like Timothy. And uh, Timothy cared for their state, as we see in verse 20. Well, that brings us to the final example that's given here, and that's Epaphroditus in verses 25 through 30. And uh, who was Epaphroditus? Anybody know who Epaphroditus was? True. Nobody knows who Epaphroditus was. Epaphroditus was really kind of a nobody uh, even on the pages of Scripture, we find him here in, in the book of Philippians, mentioned twice. Other than that, we don't know anything about this guy. We might say he's just a regular Joe, right? But he's a regular Joe, but not so ordinary in terms of his character, in terms of the things that stand out about him, as we will see here, in the, even in verse 25, the first verse that mentions him here. So uh, let's pick it up. Who wants to read verse 25 and 26 to get us going here tonight? Philippians chapter two, twenty five Anita. I have not been necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, has been longing for all and has been Okay, thank you. <clears throat> so uh really what we have here is an explanation why Epaphroditus is being sent back home. That seems to be what's going on here uh, in these verses. You see, Epaphroditus was sent by the church at Philippi to Paul to help him out. And so the intention was that he stay there and help the Apostle Paul. Now he's coming back home. And it might raise the question we sent you there to help Paul. What are you doing here? <laughs> We, we, we are expecting you to stay there long term. Paul needs you. I mean, he's in prison, you know, facing potential death. Um, what are you doing back home here? Uh, Paul is really seeking to answer that question. And notice he's taking the responsibility for it. I considered it necessary to send Epaphroditus. And Paul's saying, well, this a Epaphroditus' idea. He wants to go back home. He's tired of this. And, you know, it's, it's a little risky here with me. No, no, no. I him doing this. Paul's putting the burden on, on himself. I considered it necessary to send Epaphroditus. And uh, by the way, this, this name Epaphroditus, was it a was it a, a nice Christian name? Was it a pagan name? Pagan. It's a pagan name. Epaphroditus. Uh, literally means favored by Epaphrodite, which was the Greek goddess of love. And uh, in fact, it was interesting to read here a little bit about this People who were gambling, as they would throw the dice, would often say, Epaphroditus! (laughs) Meaning, may I be favored by the Greek goddess of love. Uh, That was their idea. They were really, you know, good luck charm. Epaphroditus! (laughs) May the goddess of love favor me with uh, a good roll of the dice here. Uh, Just an interesting little uh, side note there. But uh, Epaphroditus, evidently uh, from probably pagan Gentile background, would seem to be the case. If his name's reflective. and uh, But he has a glowing uh, endorsement by the apostle Paul. Notice uh, what he calls him here. Uh, five things. And he starts out with, my brother. My brother. Meaning he was what? A believer. Fellow believer. Uh, a member of the family of God. Uh, my brother and uh, really uh, a family, a close family. Uh, My brother uh, emphasizing Paul's personal relationship with him. Of course, all of us are brothers and sisters in Christ if we're believers, but uh, I think there's a special bond in view here as we go through the uh, list of adjectives here. My brother, he says, fellow worker. In other words, he's a co-worker with the Apostle Paul. They were working side by side. And uh, he, he wasn't just a spectator, but he was involved. And you know, it's one thing to have, uh, well, you're my brother. It's another kind of a step up to be a co-worker, right? I mean, we see intensity as we go along here. He's not just a brother. You have all kinds of people who are brothers and sisters in the Lord, fellow believers. But how many are coworkers? Not everybody. Not everybody. There's, you know... It's like a football game. You got 24 men or 22 men, I guess it is. 11 on a side, right? I do the math here, 11. 22 men in desperate need of rest and 80,000 people desperately in need of exercise, right, watching them. (laughs) Uh, That's not what you got here. He's not a spectator. He's he's involved in the work. He's a co-worker. And so that's what he says. My fellow worker. My brother, my fellow worker. And not only is he a fellow worker and fellow soldier. He ups it one more notch. What's a soldier do? Fights, Fights, right? He's in the fight. Uh, What's that tell us? He's probably willing to uh, take some stands. He's willing to take some risks. You know, it's risky uh, signing up to to go into the fight, right? (laughs) To be a fellow soldier. Uh, He was willing to take stands. He was in the battle. He wasn't just playing it safe and say, well, I'm willing to serve as long as there's no risk. You know, Uh, he wasn't that kind of a guy. See, I'm enlisting. I'm I'm willing to go to the front lines. I'm willing to be in the battle. So he wasn't just a brother. He wasn't just a coworker. He was a fellow soldier. He was in the battle with Paul. And uh, Paul was in a battle wherever he went. This was spiritual warfare all over the place. If you're going to be locked in with Paul, you're signing up for the front lines to get shot at. It's not a safe zone. It's it's a it's a danger zone. It's a war zone. And he was in that context a fellow soldier, not just a brother, not just a co-worker, but also a fellow soldier. And then he says, uh, but your messenger, but your messenger. Uh, The word messenger is the Greek word apostolos, apostolos, from which we get our word apostle. And what's the word apostle mean? Sent one. That's right. So he was, uh, notice what he says, your sent one. Now, does that mean he's uh, an apostle of Christ? Well, not in the technical sense. He's the apostle of the church. He's, he's sent out by the church of Philippi. We see this also in 2 Corinthians, I think it's 8.23, um, those that are sent out by the churches, kind of like missionaries, uh, sent out ones. Uh, so the word apostle, as it's used in the New Testament, is used in a general sense, as we have here, a sent out one, someone is sending that person out, And then it's used in the technical sense of the apostles of Christ who were directly appointed and sent out by Jesus Christ as his authoritative representatives. So you've got to kind of look at the context of how the word apostle is used. It's used in a general sense in the New Testament. It's used in a very narrow technical sense as well. Here the general sense is clearly in view. Uh, He was the uh, representative, the messenger, uh, sent out uh, to help Paul by the church at Philippi. And then he says, uh, the one who ministered to my need. The one who ministered to my need. This word ministered is a, a, a technical word related to religious service. Really, it's the word from which we get our English word liturgy. And so this really kind of refers to a special sacred religious service. And so he was ministering. He was serving God in serving Paul. You know, this is really kind of doing God's work, as we might say. This is doing the work of the Lord. Truly it was. It was sacred service as he was uh, ministering to the Apostle Paul. So, uh, just to review, uh, what, do we have about, what do we know about this guy? Well, Epaphroditus. He's a brother, he's a fellow worker, fellow soldier, messenger, minister. Uh, that's a pretty good resume, huh? I'd say so. I'll take ten of those. <laughs> those are, these, are, these are great characteristics. Love him, every one of them. Uh, that's, that's a beautiful description of, of this man. I love Epaphroditus, never met him, but boy, the character is shining through here in, in a big way. Okay, any other thoughts as we uh, worked our way through verse 25? Okay, verse 26, we continue there. Here's the issue. Since he was longing for you all and distressed because you had heard that he was sick, it seems like there was some intense uh, intense longing to be back home with the home folks and kind of comfort them. Uh, he's, uh, he, he's distressed because you had heard that he was sick. So he's, you know, this is kind of like the person who's the patient in the hospital who's all concerned about the people that are home. <laughs> right? That's what you got going on here. And you see that mutual love they have for one another. That's what's coming through here loud and clear. Uh, but he was uh, motivated not by a Uh, poor, pitiful me, uh, self-party here. Uh, That's not what's going on. Uh, He's concerned about how the news that he is is sick, how how that has affected the people back home at Philippi. In fact, the word here, when it says distressed, was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. Uh, This is a, a, a strong word meaning full of heaviness, full of heaviness, uh, he was a very uh, emotionally troubled and distressed about their concern, distressed about their concern over him. He didn't want them to be that concerned about him, and it's almost like he wished he could be back home and assure them. Because uh, you had heard that he had been sick, and evidently he was sick for quite a while. You understand it was a 700-mile trip one way uh, between Philippi and Rome. And so, just to make the trip one way to say, hey, he's sick, and then to get the word back to uh, Epaphroditus, I mean, it's a 1,400-mile trip, in these days, that that took a while. So, uh, evidently, he had been sick for a little while, but I think he's come out of it. As we move through the text, we we will see this. All right, any other thoughts before we go on to verse uh, 27? All right, Mac, you want to read verse 27 for us? Okay, he was very sick. That's what this is saying, right? And you know why he was sick? It was because he did not have enough faith. I know we saw all these great characteristics, but he did not have... I'm just being sarcastic. That's not the issue here at all. Uh, you can serve the Lord in a, and be a, a great character and still get very sick and almost die. So don't say, well, boy, I just think... You know, let me play Job's friends. I'm bringing my friends, you know, we play Job's friends and just pile on. You know, if you do, there's something wrong with you, you got some sin somewhere, uh, something's not right. Not necessarily. I mean, we don't find anything wrong with this guy's character. Paul didn't say, well, he had a little sin in his life, he's gotten right now and he got better. That's not the issue here. This guy has exemplary service and commitment. In fact, he's going to go on to say, this guy is to be esteemed. No way is he to be put down. I don't know what faith healers do with this kind of a verse, this kind of a text. I don't, you know, who knows what they do? They cut out a lot of the Bible as far as that goes. But uh, he was very sick, deathly ill, as we might say, and nearly fatally so, almost unto death. And uh, so we might ask another question. And that is okay, if he's so sick. Why didn't Paul just heal him? Huh? (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Paul didn't have enough faith. That's the problem. There's a lack of faith all the way around here. No, I don't think that's it either. Uh, Let's look at a few slides here. I got three slides here. God can heal, right? We all agree. Yes, he can. And he did. He did heal Epaphroditus. As we will see. Paul is saying God can heal. His power is unlimited, and yet working miraculous healing through the hands of people has happened in conjunction with the apostles' ministry. I would contend is not happening today. In other words, uh, God can heal anytime He wants to, but I don't think the sign gift—the sign gift of healing—is operative today. Uh, God may heal, but He doesn't do it at the hands of a miracle worker as He did in the early church. He may do it in answer to prayer. After Pentecost, there is no recorded miracle performed at the hand of anyone other than an apostle of Christ or one, close, uh, or one of their close associates. Not all Christians were doing this. They never have. It wasn't just a matter of faith, but giftedness in accordance with the program of God. And I want to emphasize that last line there, in accordance with the program of God. Uh, as you go along in Paul's ministry, he didn't heal everybody especially as you get towards the end of his ministry it seems to be tapering off even in his ministry uh, so note second uh, Corinthians 12:12 12, 12, truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance and signs and wonders and mighty deeds there were specific signs of an apostle and they included you know signs and wonders such as as miraculous healing and then uh, this slide the apostles and their close associates the prophets who gave us the New Testament have now passed from the scene. They're, they're not on the scene. Uh, they were authoritative spokesmen delivering the New Testament message, which was confirmed with sign gifts. Part of, the, part of the reason for the sign gifts was it it confirmed that they were special authoritative representatives, giving us New Testament truth. Now we have all the New Testament truth. We don't have to have sign miracles confirming a new message because we want to say. If it's new today, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. So uh, we see this in Hebrews chapter 2. How should we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him? Who, who were those? Who were those who, who heard Him? Well, these were the disciples, the apostles, who worked intimately with Jesus Christ three years, day in and day out. They were right there with Him, And uh, so we're talking about the message which first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who... How was it confirmed to us by those who heard Him? Well, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. God uh, confirmed their message with these signs and wonders and various miracles. So we see they were very unique in their calling, in their ministry as apostles and prophets. There are no more apostles and prophets today, although there's people who want to claim they are, so, but they're all liars. There's not a one that's telling the truth. And so he says here, um, For indeed he was sick almost to death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, uh, not on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So note, God did intervene, right? But God had mercy on him. So there was divine intervention. And so even though the sign gifts have passed today, God can still intervene, and he does. God works through prayer. He answers prayer. We see it all the time. I'm convinced we've prayed lots of people back from the the brink of death through the years. And God continues to answer prayer according to his own sovereign will. And uh, some go on to glory, some come through it. Uh, God is sovereign over it. But the idea of mercy, God had mercy. uh, The idea of mercy is is compassion that cares. uh, Intervention that that meets us in in our point of of need. And so uh, that's the picture here. God had had mercy. God's a merciful God. Uh, Let me show you a few other slides here. However, the message is completed. And now today it is that message, the completed Bible that we look to for authority and not some sign gift. The primary value of the sign gifts, including healing, was that of sign value. God has not promised us good health in the here and now. Good health is a blessing of mercy, and we certainly should be thankful for it. But it's not a given that we, if we just have faith, we will have good health. Again, I don't see any faith problem with Epaphroditus. I don't see any um, problem uh, with this man of God. People get sick for various reasons in our fallen bodies and always will until we get glorified bodies. For now we groan, right? It's biblical to groan, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For now we groan in these bodies that are breaking down. So, you know, the older I get, the more I groan. And I keep telling my wife it's biblical. It's gotten so bad that she'll tell me when she's groaning it's biblical. (laughs) But one day it's going to be different. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. The former things, that groaning that we have right now, the former things have passed away. You know what? We're not living in Revelation 21 four yet, are we? Not unless you're my dad, right? <laughs> now, he, he's gone on to that no more era. But we're still here. We're still here. So... uh, Yeah, we're still groaning. Some reasons people get sick or have physical afflictions. Uh, God allows it for unknown reasons. We don't always know why, right? I I, I can't tell you why this person has cancer, or this person has this problem, or that problem, or or had it from when they were a teenager, or born with it, or, you know. A lot of times we just don't know. Satan is behind it. Yeah, sometimes Satan is behind it. Uh, For God's glory. Um, You know, the the man born blind. It's like, why? Why? Everybody's trying to figure this out. Was it him that sinned or his parents? Well, neither one. But so that God would be glorified through it. Uh, You know, God's got his sovereign purposes. Uh, It can be for discipline for sin in their life. Um, Paul says to the Corinthians, many of you are sick and many of you have died because of the sin that's going on. There is such a thing as as real discipline. Um, I wouldn't jump to that conclusion necessarily. But... Sometimes it becomes kind of self-evident. Uh, to prevent sin, to keep one humble, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Why? Well, to keep him from pride. Uh, you know, I don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. You know, it's not specified. Um, to test us, you know. We talk about Job. Uh, even though he tries me, I'm going to come through this as fine gold. In the case of Aphrodite, uh, overwork, overwork, as we will see in, in verse 30. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death. And we'll talk about that uh, when we get there. Okay, um, I think I got uh, a couple more slides here. Uh, Now some uh, definite applications from this text in particular. Number one, all sickness is not because of some particular sin. Epaphroditus is example A. Epaphroditus is a model of faithfulness, not sin. He was actually sick because of his faithful commitment. Number two, it's, it's not always God's will to heal, instantaneously or miraculously. Apparently, Epaphroditus was sick for some time and recovered gradually in answer to prayer. Boy, a lot of times that's the way it happens, right? I like, think, well, uh, God didn't instantly answer the prayer, but sometimes he does it gradually. And that seems to be the case with Epaphroditus here. Number three, healing is not something we can demand from God as a right, but is based on the mercy of God. Um, so those are some good lessons here in terms of application from Epaphroditus. Okay, today, God works to heal in answer to prayer. Yes, he does. In accordance with his will, Paul at one point exercised the gift of healing, but now late in his ministry, the gift did not seem to be operative in him. We see this again in 2 Timothy, the last book he wrote. Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I left in my lead to sick. Now, if he had the gift of healing and could heal the guy, that was really not very merciful, right? So I'm sorry, dude, I'm not going to exercise my gift on you this time. You're just on your own. No, no, no. I think that gift that had been so operative early in his ministry is now beginning to go by the wayside late in, in his ministry. Okay, and finally, one more slide here. Once we get by the age of sign miracles associated with the apostles' ministry, we have the normative pattern as outlined in James 5. If someone is sick, they are to call for the elders of the church, not faith healers. You get that? If anyone's sick, let him call for the elders. But there's more to this. The elders will then pray, and in accordance with God's will, he may heal them. In particular, I think the sickness in this passage in James 5 is better translated weakness, in the sense of spiritual weakness, Although application is certainly there for physical uh, sickness, weakness as well. The reason I say that, you know, uh, the elders are not really, we're not doctors. But we are spiritual shepherds. And if you've got a spiritual weakness, you call for the elders. Uh, For any kind of prayer, you can call for the elders. Like I say, I think there's broad application. But I really think the main thing is spiritual issues here in the context of James chapter 5. Ask for prayer when you are sick. And then seek proper medical treatment. How about that? God works uh, through doctors and medicine in answer to prayer. Uh, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to throw out and say, you know, these people say, well, I'm real spiritual. I, I, never, I never go see a doctor. I, I never use any medicine. I'm a firm believer in Proverbs, you know, when it says, give strong drink to the dying. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm dying, give me the meds. Give me something to kill the pain. You know, I'm a believer. There's a place for uh, some medicine. Uh, okay. Um, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also. Uh, Paul says, "You know what? This was good for both of us. We both were the beneficiaries of this, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow, literally pain upon pain. So God was very merciful, and I think certainly they were praying about this. I mean, he doesn't say so, but I, you just got to believe they were praying about this because God responded. God acted in mercy. And uh, the idea here, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow, is wave upon wave. Uh, Paul was going through lots of things, right? He was concerned about what's going on at the church of Philippi. That's why he's writing this letter. He's concerned. Uh, He was probably very, had the pressures about him as far as what's going on with him physically in in prison and all that's involved there. And uh, now, uh, if if Epaphroditus would have died wow just think of the the extra pressure that would have put upon him now he's having to report back to the church and now no, nobody'd even help him you know it would have just been very very painful lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow by the way what's the theme of uh, Philippians or joy joy what's this about sorrow lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow he did have sorrow and he's saying, lest I have more sorrow. Sorrow, for sorrow. Can you have joy and sorrow at the same time? Yeah. How can that be? Well, joy is a little deeper than circumstances, isn't it? Joy supersedes our circumstances. Uh, you know that verse in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, uh, We do sorrow, but not as those who have no hope. Well, I've definitely been thinking about that in recent days. And it's like, yeah, the hope overshadows the sorrow, uh, at least for me. Uh, a fellow believer dies. And so, yeah, it's not that we never have sorrow. It's not like we walk around all the time with a huge smile just plastered on our face. and It's like, you know, I'm happy-go-lucky all the time. No, there are sorrows. And we do have sorrows, But yet there's down deep an an abiding joy in the Lord, knowing the Lord, knowing what we have in Christ, uh, having an eternal perspective that goes beyond this life. All of these things uh, relate to our abiding joy. So happiness relates to circumstances, but joy is deeper than that. And it's really a God-focused concept. And we can have sorrow and, and, and have joy even in the midst of sorrow. Okay, any other thoughts here before we move on to verse 28? All right, who wants to read verse 28 for us? Yeah, John. Okay, so everybody's feeling bad about everybody here. <laughs> And that's you see the love that's going on here. Everybody's thinking about everybody else, which is the way love should be. I'm not just thinking about myself. I mean, the, the folks at Philippi are concerned about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is concerned about the people of Philippi. Uh, Paul was concerned about Epaphroditus, and he was concerned about the people of Philippi. Everybody's concerned about everybody here, which is really what Christian love is to be all about. And so he says, uh, in light of the whole circumstances, how they are so traumatized by what's going on with Epaphroditus... He says, I send him the more eagerly. Sends him back home that when you see him again, you may rejoice. You're going to be relieved. And you're going to be happy. You're going to be rejoicing. And, and he says, and in that case, I'm going to be less sorrowful. This is going to take away from my sorrow. I've been very sorry about what they're having to go through, uh, being so concerned about Epaphrodites. This will relieve uh, Paul's uh, pain here as well. Okay. Uh, any other thoughts before we finish out here? Last two verses. All right. Who wants to read verses uh, 29 and 30? Yeah, Jeff. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Okay. So because for the work of Christ, he came close to death. He put his life on the line. And notice it was for the work of Christ. Who's he trying to help here? Well, Paul. But that is called here the work of Christ. Uh, in serving people, he was serving Christ. In serving Paul in this context, he was serving Christ. And by the way, because for the work of Christ he came close to death. This verse is clearly saying, you know what this guy was doing? He was working too hard. He was overworking. This would be a great breakout place for Paul to really get on his high horse and really reprimand him for for overworking, being a workaholic. I mean, this is going to kill you, dude. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Uh, He says, uh, in fact... Uh, Receive him in the Lord with all gladness. Verse 29. Hold such men in esteem. Hold him in uh, esteem. Uh, His uh, motives are not to be questioned uh, for coming home. Uh, Maybe it didn't kind of work out the way the church intended. There's always somebody that's going to maybe say, Well, why are you back here? And Paul's kind of covering. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness. And hold such men in esteem. Uh, he's worthy of honor. Uh, he's worthy of being esteemed. The, the idea of esteem is to, to uh, value, uh, to appreciate, and to think highly of. And it would seem that uh, there is a place for uh, a proper esteem, a, a proper perhaps public recognition, appreciation of someone. Uh, Paul is calling this out publicly, that he should be esteemed, uh, held in in great appreciation, valued. And uh, again, well, why? Well, because he worked himself almost to death. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death. Um, And this is in a context of commending him for how hard he had been working. Now, there's balance, you know. In this situation, maybe it called for it. It was an unusual situation with Paul in in prison and so forth. I mean, just as a lifestyle, you you maybe do want to have some balance in in your life. But uh, he was close to death because he was working for Christ so hard in this context. And by the way, again, you may be serving Christ intently It doesn't mean, though, that you're going to be protected from all sickness. You say, well, I'm serving Christ. I surely wouldn't get sick if I'm really serving Christ and doing the right thing, right? Doesn't mean you won't get sick. He did, almost to the point where it took him out. Almost died because he was working so hard. We have the cause here, because for the work of Christ he came close to death. Not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. So, uh, by the way, uh, this uh, re- regarding, not regarding his life. That word regarding is a gambling term, which is kind of interesting. We don't read a lot about gambling uh, in the scriptures, but this is an interesting term. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, the phrase not regarding represents the Greek word. I'll let you say it. Somebody, I'm, I'm looking for a volunteer here. Anyway, uh, Parabolosemonos, sort of. Uh, The only place it's found is is right here in the New Testament. Was actually a gambling term where the gambler risked everything on the toss of the dice. The word came to mean one who takes risks or chances. It's used to people who expose themselves to danger. Uh, For a great cause, they were willing to take risks. Epaphroditus gave no thought to playing it safe. Remember? It's a fellow soldier, Right? Uh, he gave himself with abandon to the mission he was on. In effect, he put his life on the line. He literally gambled with his life. (laughs) That's that's really what this is saying here. Now, we know God is sovereign, but, you know, humanly speaking, he he was taking a gamble here. Now, there are foolish risk-takers, and then there are noble risk-takers. To be associated with Paul in this ministry was risky. It was uh, right under the nose of Nero. To be associated with Paul in this way would invite suspicion And to be known as a confidant spelled danger. There were all kinds of physical dangers, health dangers involved. Yet this was a risk that Epaphroditus was willing to assume. This word for gambler assumes he understood the risks before he committed himself to the mission. So again, um, I'm not getting on this guy. I think everything's commendable in terms of his service here. And finally here, in the early church in Alexandria, there grew... Up a group of believers who became known as parabolani, uh, based on this text, based on that word that I can't pronounce. Uh, they, were, they were willing to take risks in ministering to in prisons and, and nursing the sick who had contagious diseases during epidemics. The Greeks simply took this basic word for gambler and applied it to these people. Isn't that interesting? In the early church, you have the risk-takers. They're going in and they're working with the sick people. They're going in and working with people in the prison. That's a risky thing to do, associating with those Christians in there. They're liable to put you in there too. Gamblers for Christ. In the right sense, Epaphroditus was a Christian gambler. He was willing to risk his very life in service for Christ. Such people have this level of dedication such people having this level of of dedication, are to be highly esteemed, so says Paul. So says Paul, as we noted there in verse uh, 29. And he did this, he says, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Uh, Well, the question becomes, what does this mean exactly? And uh, there's a couple ideas here. Perhaps the gift of... Uh, sent to Paul was, was not adequate to really meet his needs. Uh, you notice what he says there? Uh, to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. Whoa, what, what way was their service lacking? Well, perhaps uh, they did send a gift, perhaps, but perhaps it didn't go very far. Uh, so perhaps this gift was not adequate to really meet his needs, so I've work to earn money. Plus, uh, keep up with all the other things that needed attention in his ministry to Paul. Uh, and we 've talked about this before, you know in, in, in Roman prisons they didn 't provide the food, hopefully he had some friends. hopefully he had somebody take it. well Epaphroditus now is having to scramble around and if there wasn 't enough maybe didn 't go very far after a couple of weeks it 's like now man i 've got to work on the side here too and, and take care of paul's as well' as take care of myself. who knows what all that 's going on. The more he worked, the weaker he got as he endeavored to make up the difference between the actual gift and what was uh, what was yet needed that 's one view Another one some think this is simply saying that Epaphroditus was there in person, doing as their representative what they could not do since they were not physically present. At the very least, this is in view and may involve uh, things uh, such as we're suggesting in view one. So it might be a combination of things there. Well, um, praise the Lord for people like Epaphroditus. Uh, I want to be in Epaphroditus. How about you? Uh, I'm a brother, right? I'm a worker with you. Hope I'm a fellow soldier with you. And uh, I want to be one who gives of myself... Uh, I want to be a, a wise risk taker. How's that? Is that a contradiction? <laughs> I don't think so. If you're living in light of eternity and you got the pr- uh, proper biblical priorities, uh, humanly speaking, uh, the whole of life is a risk assessment, right? I mean, for, for a year and a half, people didn't want to come out of their house. Well, you know, at some point you do have to kind of Look both ways and, and cross the street, right? You have to kind of take a risk assessment, just a little bit, in your service of Christ. And uh, I love this quote by uh, Corey Tenboom. She said, a hospital visitor saw a nurse tending to the sores of, of a leprosy patient. I would not do that for a million dollars, he said. The nurse answered, neither would I, but I do it for Jesus. How about that? How about being a risk taker for Jesus? Uh, it will be worth it all. Now, we don't want to be stupid, but we do want to be bold for the cause of Christ, for the for the people of God. Uh, there's a place where it's proper to do what needs to be done. And Epaphroditus was one of those guys. All right, any other thoughts as we wrap up here tonight? Yeah, Michael. Yeah? Amen. Well said. Amen. I couldn't agree more. And again, we don't want to be foolish, you know. When I had the, the COVID here a couple weeks, I stayed home for a few days. I stayed home for a week. <laughs> or more. Actually, I, I want to tell you this. I, I stayed home uh, my fifth day, they called and said my dad might not make it to the next day. I went there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> For me, it made sense. If the guy's going to die the next day, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, you know, you use some common sense. But all I'm saying is you do want to use common sense, and you don't want to be stupid uh, in, your, in your risk-taking either. And I try to be very responsible in my risk-taking, honestly. But I think there's a place, too, where we think about higher priorities terms of what really matters ultimately in this situation Well, for some of these risk takers in the early church it meant going and taking care of the leprosy patients you know nobody else is going to do this self-preservation uh there's a balance in the whole of life here but well said michael amen to that all right sorry getting emotional here <laughs> i'll get over it just an emotion <laughs> all right anyone else Okay, let's share some prayer requests. Uh, You have prayer sheets, everyone?